0: In the summer of 2021, the Colonial Pipeline in the United States shut down. The federal government today confirmed that a Russian criminal group is behind the hacking of a crucial energy pipeline. The Biden administration said it is working with the Colonial Pipeline company to deal with the cyber hack and its effects. Colonial shut down its pipeline, the largest of its kind in the U.S., after the company learned it was the victim of this cyber extortion attempt. William Brangham is back now with the latest on that story. Judy, the FBI said a group known as Darkside is responsible for this cyber attack, which used what is known as ransomware. Ransomware is malicious computer code that blocks an owner's access to their computer network until a ransom gets paid. Colonial operates a 5,500-mile-long 5, pipeline that carries almost half the jet fuel and gasoline that's delivered along the East Coast. The company has so far refused to say whether it paid any ransom, but said it hopes to be largely back online by the end of this week. The dark side ransomware contributed to the shutdown of the pipeline and claimed other victims. Ransomware is not new. With ransomware, attackers, encrypt an organization's data and hold it hostage until the ransom is paid. Once attackers receive payment, they are supposed to share the decryption key, enabling victims to recover their data. Sometimes they don't. In early 2022, the Russian government cracked down on several ransomware organizations, including REvil. It was a limited gesture of good faith, Just as soon as Russia invaded Ukraine, the criminal activity rose once again. One group was Conti, and internal chats were exposed. What we learned was that they had a very advanced corporate-like framework, including a billing department and HR. This was an organization that intended to stick around for a while. And so there's now an ecosystem of partners and affiliates that also associate with a handful of large ransomware organizations. And these criminal organizations no longer offer just one service, like ransomware, but multiple services. They're expanding, they're deepening their holds, and they're increasingly becoming platforms for all sorts of criminal activity. And in a moment, I'll introduce you to someone who's tracking that expansion and growth. Welcome to The Hacker Mind, an original podcast from For All Secure. It's about challenging our expectations about the people who hack for a living. I'm Robert Famosi, and in this episode, I'm talking about ransomware, and more specifically about the ecosystem of criminal activity that's been built up around it as we move toward what some are calling crimeware as a service. In 2022, LockBit became the most widely used ransomware. At the time of this podcast, LockBit accounts for 40% of the ransomware present today and hits both Windows and Linux machines. And now there's even a builder kit for LockBit that almost anyone can create their own branded version of the ransomware. We know this because a disgruntled developer leaked the information to the general public. Nonetheless, Lockbit has been particularly aggressive, going after a range of targets, including local town governments. In the summer of 2022, Lockbit hit the Canadian town of St. Mary's, Ontario, leaving some 7,000 residents without government services. And also, Frederick, Colorado, a town roughly twice the size of St. Mary's, had the same thing. Using the motto, Make Ransomware Great Again, new versions of LockBit are adding new features such as anti-analysis tools, new extortion methods, and even ransomware bug bounty programs. And Microsoft is now investigating reports of new zero days being exploited to hack Exchange servers, which are later used to launch LockBit ransomware attacks. This expansion of DarkSide, Conti, ReEvil, and even LockBit into service platforms is of concern to experts.
1: My name is Mick Baccio. I am a global security advisor at Splunk and I work on a team called Surge, which is primarily a research group focused on security. Uh, been at the company a little over two years, and in that time, you know, Surge launched, and we have done a lot of work in the vein of research in response to things like SolarWinds, to Log4J, to Colonial Pipeline, Kasaya.
0: But that isn't what drew me to this story. Splunk's Surge Research also produced a white paper on ransomware.
1: In addition to that, research, you know, like the name says, one of our big projects was a ransomware white paper where we took a bunch of different families and kind of analyzed the ransomware speeds, how fast those binaries run, and, you know, kind of give you who is the best in breed of the bad guys, which sounds like a weird thing to do. But uh, what we found was in doing this research, the results we had was you've got about between four minutes and four hours before your entire network is done.
0: Ransomware is the latest trend in malware. It's pretty devastating in that it arrives through phishing or some other common attack vector, sits on your network for a period of time, then encrypts all your data such that the system is completely inoperable until you pay a ransom for the decryption key. It's a clever way for malware to get monetized. So
1: if you are a net defender, take this research and use that to inform your strategy. There are I want to say, roughly, I think the last report I read was around five days dwell time.
0: Dwell time. That's the amount of time an attacker is in your network. So ransomware
1: binary is the very last thing that happens, the the boom. There are things you can detect before that happens, and that's what we're trying to drive with the research that we did
0: it's perhaps the profit that's been generated from it that's made it so successful.
1: So ransomware, obviously a pervasive problem. Uh, My background being what it is, I liken the uh, techniques used by ransomware operators very, very similar to a lot of nation-state
0: actors that I've tracked previously. I should explain that Mick has a pretty cool background. He was the first CISO for a U.S. presidential campaign working for Pete Buttigieg, he also worked for the office of the president in threat intelligence under Obama. And before that, he was a threat analyst for Health and Human Services. He's also a volunteer goon at DEFCON, which is where we met up for this interview.
1: Where the initial attack vector, uh, the dwell time inside the network, the kind of learning your way around, mapping all the data. And when you think of an APT attack where that data is just exfiltrated, ransomware differs slightly in that there's one more step, right? I exfil the data and then I kind of burn the house down.
0: Ransomware is also effective in hiding one's tracks. Say you wanted to exfiltrate a large number of, oh, I don't know, credit cards. You could do that and then unleash a ransomware attack to encrypt all the evidence incriminating you.
1: Reports that I've read, there are nation state threat actors who are actually adopting this technique where hey, I've got the intelligence that I needed on my way out. I'll just kind of ransom all the things and lock all the files. And you kind of had that element of subterfuge and confusion added into it where is this a ransomware attack or was this intelligence gathering or was it both? So I think it's, uh, the ransomware landscape to me is just fascinating. It's from a technical level, I think ransomware is kind of boring.
0: So ransomware started with individuals like you and me being compromised and our data being collected and being asked for like $300 in Bitcoin in exchange. Then it became commercialized to industries.
1: First ransomware, I think the very first one was at an HIV conference in 89 where it was Cat who handed out or mailed out floppy disks. Like a floppy disk and you put it in your computer and you had to mail like 50 bucks to an address or something like that. And that was uh, 1989. And then 2015, where around that time was when we saw like, hey, you clicked on a binary and your computer's locked up, right? It was just a very, that ransomware is a very singular thing. And now we're seeing the network aspect of it where it's not just the one computer. It's all the computers with the same message because I've been around for a while in your network and... It's not just clicking on one thing, it's clicking on a domain controller or logging into it uh, an MDR or a service provider and infecting them so that all of their customers downstream become infected with ransomware. It's it's an amazing, not amazing, it's terrifying, uh, but from a technical level it's, it's just the way the world is connected, the ecosystem, the way everything interconnects to each other, when one thing goes wrong, it's just a domino effect that kind of begets it. And um, I don't know if there's easy fixes for things like that. If your MSP gets compromised, you're just a user, right? Like, how, What can you do with that? So um, I know there's a lot of great folks that are working on the solutions. And when I have one, I will start my own billion-dollar startup, all right? You'll be the first to hang out with me. <laughs> but yeah, that's a, it's an incredibly complicated problem, and I don't think it's going to get any easier anytime soon. I think it'll actually get more complicated the more technologies
0: we throw out. So ransomware is at once pretty sophisticated sounding in that it encrypts all your files, and on the other hand, pretty basic in terms of what it actually does. So I can see why there's some hesitation among experts.
1: My background being what it is, like there was a mutex, targeting six people from this state, targeting this state. That's amazing. But again, that doesn't do a lot of work. It doesn't do a lot of help for a lot of folks out there. So the ransomware work itself is, you know, ransomware is just it's a binary that launches and encrypts files, encrypts the header, encrypts the whole file. Uh, it's not really a unique tactic. I think what's novel and what's unique in ransomware is that the results, the impact is immediate.
0: Unlike advanced persistent threats, which, as their name implies, sit on your network for weeks, months, and years going undetected, ransomware has a pretty short dwell time, five days on average. And then it publicly announces, hey, I just encrypted all of your files. Either pay me or lose them forever. If your network
1: is impacted, it comes down to how fast is your response time, uh, what can you do to recover from it, you know, there's a one of my favorite quotes from Mike Tyson was everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. And I think if your organization falls victim to a ransomware attack, that is when you need to have that plan for getting punched in the face. How is your organization going to respond and recover? And ransomware operators are, I don't know what the word to use would be. I want to say vicious is not the word I mean, but it's what I keep coming back to.
0: So the targets have definitely expanded. And it's in espionage now, and it's also financial services. It just goes to where there's pain in the community.
1: It's been shifting a touch where, to your point, it's the, the targets are very specific. targets are very broad now. And, and it's not based on a specific thing. It's really just financially based for the most part from what I've seen. Um, the folks that are getting targeted are folks I think will pay. That's just... Uh, I, I do. I think the, the unusual hallmark for me has been ransomware operators have successfully conducted operations for years now without much repercussion, except in the case, a few edge cases where the United States government got involved and kind of put the smack down on a lot of people. And I think it crossed a certain threshold or a certain target. I just think it's really... It's hard to what's a valuable target, like what's that threshold that if I attack this person, I'm going to get smacked down by some government and come back after me. And and I think that line is still being kind of drawn in the sand. Um, I think all of them, all all the operators should just everything that happens, just be targeted, just be response to it. But I don't, you know, eye for an eye, the whole world goes blind, the Internet shuts down. It's just I don't I don't (laughs) see easy fixes for it um, other than I do see the community getting better. Like information sharing groups, I think um, folks trying to help each other out. Um, ransomware playbooks are a big thing from not just a technical response, but I've seen you know just just C-level executives have conversations with each other. Hey, what what do you do when that happens? Like, what's your plan? And these are obviously you know Chatham discussions, just off the record. But it's it's very interesting to see. Yeah, we're pretty sure we're gonna get it ransom this year. What do we do? Um, do we put it in our budget? Do we, you know, have uh, all new equipment just ready to go? And it's just—it's definitely something that organizations need to game plan for. And I would not have really said that to your point in that 2015 era. It's just, yeah, you just re-image a machine, you're fine. And now it's—it's it's, you get ransomed. You know, we've seen organizations go offline, period, and just not come back up. Businesses shut down. Hundreds of millions of dollars in recovery and operational expenses. I, I, I just think it's a big problem. Um, and it goes back to those little things, right? Just asset inventory, patch your stuff, eat your cyber vegetables.
0: So if Mick isn't so jazzed by the technical nuances of ransomware itself, no, it's the ecosystem that fascinates him.
1: Ransomware as a service is what we all kind of started off tracking, right? Where Conti, Lockbit, doesn't matter who it is. There's a ransomware affiliate selling their services to you and you can hire them to carry out a ransom. They'll get a portion of it, affiliates, blah, 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 We kind of know how that background works. So the new cool thing, uh, depend on your level of, Oh my God, this is on fire. It's I would call it cybercrime as a service where it's kind of not just ransomware anymore. I think the big problem that you run into is it starts off with the access brokers where there are organizations out there where they just have access credentials um, to organizations and leverage those for the attacks.
0: So imagine a large corporation. You have executives in the headquarters and you have different business units. And those business units, they each have employees, partners, and contractors executing deals. That's what a criminal malware enterprise looks like today. And with any business, you have to learn how to effectively diversify in order to grow your business. So offering just ransomware, well, that just isn't enough.
1: It's not just a ransomware attack, whether it be you know, data exfil, whether it be DDoS, whether it just be site defacement, whether it just be extortion or intelligence collection. There are several different things that ransomware operators are offering now kind of expanding that portfolio. And I think as a net defender, it's, it's really bad news for all of us. Just because the volume of attacks I think will increase and the sophistication and complexity is also increasing. I, I mentioned earlier the ransomware speeds that, we, that, that, that Shannon Davis, the research that we did, where we had 10 different families and just let them
0: all run. So Splunk's surge team did report on this activity. They used the scientific method within a controlled environment to measure the speed at which 100 samples of ransomware from 10 popular variants encrypted nearly 100,000 files totaling nearly 53 gigabytes across different Windows operating systems and hardware specifications. One of the tricks the ransomware teams are using doesn't just encrypt the entire file, It encrypts just the header and a few bits.
1: That depends on the ransomware family and some binaries will encrypt an entire file. Uh, Some will encrypt just the header of the file, like the first eight bytes. And then the file is rendered useless. Recovery is slightly easier if you're able to do that, but you still can't use it initially. Um, and, And I wanna say the new versions are encrypting a bit more of the header Because it's faster. Um, One of the things we noticed about the malware, whether it was packed or unpacked, whether it was compressed or not compressed when it was initially sent over.
0: To escape initial detection, malware has to pack itself tightly. For example, it will encrypt and encrypt again several times. This is so the anti-malware programs have a harder time finding the actual malware signature.
1: That's a whole other discussion as far as, like, how how they're, they're built out, how the families are built, how the ransomware binary is actually, you know, coded and developed. And I think that is getting more complex and more complicated. There is also a growing concern, you know, the ransoms that we've seen out there, the ones we've known about, the ones we know that are publicly reported.
0: Right. There are lots of ransom attacks that go unreported. Why? Well, the victim may have a very good backup and a very good recovery process in place. Even if you have a good backup, that doesn't necessarily mean that you can back up quickly. Not if it's stored off-site and it takes several gigabytes of data. Maybe we're only hearing about the ransomware attacks now because the malware itself is getting much faster and hitting a lot more targets.
1: I think if we took those same families now, there are new versions of ransomware binaries being written by authors, and the ransomware is getting more complicated. It is getting more um, difficult to detect, difficult to respond to, and once that foothold is in, once that ransomware happens, you know your your network is really in, in a bad place. Uh, in addition to those, you know ransomware services, you also have the potential to be targeted for other cybercrime activity, and Everything from BEC, you know, business email compromise, to uh, intellectual property theft, insider threat, things like that.
0: And some of these criminal organizations, they're really concerned about their brand. We heard from Miko Hupanen in episode 50 about this. And Mick, too, has seen this as well.
1: Maybe some have PR teams and some don't. I don't. uh, Yeah, I, I think it's really interesting. I think it goes to the operators behind it. Um, because there is a criminal there's a cyber criminal and there's someone who plays crime right and and the folks that are in other affiliates may not have um the business acumen or the plans for longevity that i think you saw immediately in lockbit uh that and i think you know the geographical location of some of the potential operators probably played a hand into their longevity as well. Um, If I know the police aren't going to come look for me, why would I stop? So I think that's kind of played no part of it. Um, And there is chatter of, you know, tattletales. Like uh, you see criminals rat out other criminals so that there'll be a better criminal because there's less competition. There's a lot of that. Uh, So I think it's, Lockbit to me has taken it more as a business approach and not just, oh, look, we ransomed something and here's money. It's, I'm making a business out of this. I'm making an ecosystem. I'm growing as a company. And it's really weird to say about a ransomware group. But again, it goes back to that ransomware as a service to cybercrime as a service. And I think that's where we are now.
0: Mick continued to talk about the broader threat not just fast ransomware but this idea that these criminal organizations well they're diversifying offering more schemes in addition to their ransomware
1: it's to the point where i mentioned that the cybercrime as a service there is a vulnerability market out there there is a zero day market out there and i don't think there's any mechanism or safeguard in place to stop a ransomware affiliate from purchasing a zero day and offering that as you know one of their Feels weird. Service offerings. Like here's our business unit where, when you look at ransom, you know, uh, ransomware as a service. I, I think that's a it's over with. I think it's cybercrime as a service. I don't think it's just a. It's not a business. It's it's an ecosystem. It's a whole economy um, where there are competitors. You know, there, there's Conti, there's Lockbit, there's Dark Matter. You know, the groups rebrand, shut down, change names, but there is competition among them. Um, that is where we initially got the idea for the ransomware research was there was a ransomware affiliate who, hey, hire me because my ransomware binary is the best. You know, there's like a, like a there was a magic a chart of, you know, this performance chart. It's what he had on the website. And I thought that was really, really odd. And why would you do that? And is it true? And I guess that was, that was it for us was is it true? And turns out it was. Um, so again, I think the, the ransomware part of it is, is getting worse and worse, uh, but just I think it's not just the ransomware, it moves into other uh, you know, technical merits that they have.
0: We mentioned that the initial infection could happen through phishing. It could, but it could also come from, well, insiders as well.
1: It all starts with the credential access, right? And, and once the credentials are compromised, you can use that to log in, pivot around, get admin access, and go from there. Um, you know, and it's it's the same solution that we say, and it's an impossible one. Uh, you know, patch all of your systems, inventory your assets, um, multi-factor all the things. Uh, I remember reading a report that Google had implemented hardware tokens. Their entire you know, employee, everybody has a hardware token now. And it took, it's Google, I can't imagine the size, I can't imagine the lift that most have done. It was a multi-year project. But once that was completed, they, I want to say, have not had a successful credential phishing attack in over two years. It's it's an amazing thing that they were able to do. And I think that adds that layer of security that is currently not there. Um, if I'm constantly, you know, if I'm being asked for a, a second factor of authentication, as long as that's secure and I think hardware token is the way to go, um, definitely prevent that login.
0: So how sophisticated are these criminal families? Well... They're now crowdsourcing their own vulnerabilities. They're not just fuzzing their own zero days in black market labs. They're going public. And they're even hosting black market bug bounty programs.
1: Things, I believe, recently where ransomware affiliates were, hey, if you sell me logins to your company, here are X dollars. Um, I think ransomware affiliates are also launching bug bounty programs, which is amazing when you think about it, uh, just because the bug, you know, the vulnerability tracking groups that we know currently, hey, we're doing this for good. Where uh, you have a company and I don't wanna, let's take Splunk, right? Splunk, we have a vulnerability program and if you find something, here's reward for it. Be, but you report it to the, to Splunk, to us. If you're a ransomware operator, if you're that cybercrime affiliate, I will not tell this company that they are vulnerable. I would just leverage that and I think, um, from my understanding and what I've read so far, the bounties that are being paid out are significantly higher than legitimate ones. Three times whatever that vulnerability reporting reward is. There's a reason we're doing this to make the security community better so products will get better. And I don't think that cyber criminal operators share that same ethos. So I think that is going to be a, a growing problem.
0: So if I want to get into bug bounties, and I get all excited about it, and we've talked about it in previous episodes of The Hacker Mind. Well, how do I know if it's legit? Well, first of all, there are brand names, and there are companies that do bug bounties themselves. Again, brand names. So you probably should use that as an indicator that the bug bounty that you're participating in is probably legit. If it's something you've never heard of, well, it could be something different. I
1: think that goes into a large part of the security community, right We all want to say we're all great we're all we're all here to help, but again, there's always that element if it's it's um you know I had this thought in my head of how you would go about doing that, right like I want to ransom someone or I want to take this company down. How do I find that like it's not like the yellow pages that you go through um but there are. Forums. There are carting forums where that bug bounty program is advertised. And I, I honestly, I've talked to some folks that are in the vulnerability disclosure arena, and it's, it's just so unique, and they're having troubles with, I don't know how to respond to that properly other than it's personal ethics that come into play. Right. And and hopefully, I, I think we are getting better as a community, you know. But there's always going to be that one. Oh, money's money. I really like money, so we'll, we'll see. But I, I do see that becoming more and more of a problem. I just thought that was very, very bold, right? That, that is a flagrant. Hey, we're doing what you're doing, but we're do like the opposite side of the coin. We're the evil side of the coin, and and just the, um, you know, just a, just the, the brazenness to be able to launch that um, and just the adverts you've seen. Hey, sell us some access. We'll give you a reward for it. Just the the ransomware operators, the cybercrime operators are just becoming more, you know, I guess, bold in what they're doing because it's working.
0: If there's one thing the information security community needs is to stop thinking about one thing and start seeing the related things. For example, there are exploit chains Yes, you can have a zero-day, but sometimes it's inoperable. It doesn't execute properly unless you have other things going on. And this is where multiple tactics are used. The same is true with ransomware attacks.
1: Other hallmarks, I think, is just the New Zealand CERT has a fantastic diagram that they put out where it was the stages of a ransomware attack. Um... So you take that and it's like, you know, reconnaissance phase, like you mentioned. And then it's exactly like the kill chain, the Lockheed Martin cyber kill chain like that, but for ransomware, where the last objective is just the binary launches. So there's the initial access that you're detecting. There is the lateral movement that you're detecting. Um, You know, there, there are small things you can do that initially wouldn't be an alert on
0: their own. That's a problem I hear a lot that there are too many alerts, and often they're quite granular, very specific to this and not to that. So again, we need to look at this problem more holistically.
1: But I think when you look at it in conjunction, uh, one of the folks at Splunk, Haley Mills, has been doing a lot of work with something called RBA, where it's an analytic system where one alert's not bad, but in conjunction, these three different alerts, disparate coming together will paint a bigger picture for me and say, hey, these three things together are that security alert that I'm looking for. And it's small things like that, um, but it's it's the basics. It's, it's diligence, it's patching all your system, it's inventory all your systems. You can't defend what you don't know. And that's the, like one of the hallmark solutions, but the problem is it's been a hallmark solution for as long as I've been doing security. And it's it's that you know, Sisyphean task of just pushing the boulder up the hill to count the assets. That's what we do every day. So you know, I think there are things you can do, but it does start with that diligence and just you know maintaining your network as best you can.
0: So it shouldn't be too surprising that they're paying for new vulnerabilities. I mean, they're already paying access brokers to get into these systems and for other services as well, which starts to tell you how much money they stand to make from the ransomware.
1: I think it is getting worse because of the economies involved. It um, sure. starts off with the access brokers. You know, if you are if you sell access, if you sell logins, you'll get paid for that. If you find some vulnerability, you'll get paid for that. And, and again, it goes back to, it's not just um, cyber crime as a service. I think it's, it's just a whole economy that's built on cyber crime now. And, and I do see that getting worse. Um, I, I think, I, I want to say it's getting worse, but at the same time, it's what we've seen, you know, my entire security career. There's always been issues. There's always been hiccups. There's always been problems. I think, um, As technology advances, technology grows. You know, it's a a Moore's law. Every 18 months, things get better. Every 18 months, ransomware operators get better. Cyber criminals get better. So if we're getting better, so is the bad guy. It's just that, that continual cat and mouse game.
0: So the way we currently have to tell whether it's a criminal individual or a nation state is through the fingerprints of the attack. That's how we define advanced persistent threats or APTs. There are signatures MOs if you read mysteries. And so, intri- <laughs> and so attribution keeps getting harder, particularly if the criminal working for a nation state goes home and performs the same tactics on a different target for a different reason.
1: You can go all the way back, and I know it's like, what, seven, eight years ago, um, when the Sony, com- Sony Pictures compromised. If you look at the hallmarks of that attack, where it was an attacker got in, dwell time for weeks, mapped out all the network, and then the last action was, you know, the, the action's on objective, that binary. And that was 2014. So those techniques have been around, I just think they're being employed more uh, because they are incredibly successful. You, you wouldn't know if this attack was a nation state or a ransomware operator. There are reports of nation states that are using ransomware binaries as the last step after they gather the intelligence, and then it just oh, now we'll never know what happened. So I think that's a really, really unique TTP.
0: TTP stands for tactics, techniques, and procedures, and it is commonly used when determining attribution.
1: A lot of the infrastructure might be the same, the techniques would be the same. Um, when you write a letter, I know you wrote it because of the words you choose, the, the, the diction, the pattern. When you see an attack, it's, it's roughly the same way. You kind of know who's behind it based on the TTPs. And those TTPs don't shift up much. So I, I think that's a, that's a real unique one where it does muddy the waters for attribution. I think as ransomware evolves from a technical level, the way that it's used by you know, the, the cyber criminals, the actors out there, will we'll kind of shift with it to kind of take advantage of it. Um, peak performance, right? right.
0: We've touched on criminal organizations, but might there also be nation-states doing this as well? And it might actually be both. There's probably someone who works for a nation-state who goes home at night and uses the same techniques and tactics he uses at work for the government on his own.
1: That is uh, 100% true from my understanding. Um, And... There's no penalty or scrutiny for that. There there's no um my background being what it is, you know, I had a lot of experience with Chinese counterintelligence from the Ministry of State Security and the People's Liberation Army. And you saw that a lot, where during the day you work and at night it's a moonlighting thing. I don't think it's unique to, to the PLA or the MSS. I think there are other operators that do it. Um I I find it fascinating. It's It muddies the waters for attribution. If I'm an intelligence analyst, I don't know if this was Group X or if this was Billy after work, just, you know, kind of making a couple extra dollars. It's really hard to to attribute any of that.
0: There's another point about ransomware, using it as a last resort. So sometimes a criminal activity will go on and in order to cover their tracks, they'll throw some ransomware on top of it.
1: If I catch all the fish, you don't know that I was looking for just these three fish and I wanted to catch them. Uh, In that same vein, I can just kind of collect all the things and last minute, I guess it was just a ransomware attack. And that, I think, is very common and it makes, once that ransomware hits... On the back end, me as a net defender, the forensic capabilities to reconstruct the incident, to do my internal incident response to forensics on it, become you know nigh impossible to do once that binary launches and once my network is kind of kind of hosed out.
0: Okay, we started off talking about Lockbit and I wanted to know Mick's interpretation of it.
1: I think it is one of the oldest, one of the steadiest, and operates like a business. Um, The earliest version of Lockbit ransomware was, was was fine. Or you know, then it goes back to: Do you mean Lockbit, the ransomware binary? Do you mean Lockbit, the ransomware affiliate? Or do you mean Lockbit? The ransom? You know, it's it's what part of that ecosystem? And I think where Lockbit has been very successful is you know you started out 2.0, and I think 3.0 is floating around or getting ready to. Um, you're like any organization where you've kept up with the landscape. You've gotten better as you know the good guys have gotten better, so you've gotten worse, right? You've gotten your bad guy game on even better now. Um, I think the way that blue teams that we talk to at Surge every day are updating their techniques and learning new things, Lockbit—it's it, kudos involved. Like it's a really good group. I, yeah, they're all criminals and scumbags, but you've gotten better. You took it seriously, right? The, the binaries they're using are incredibly effective. They're easy to propagate, and the way the services are offered—it's a business. And I think Lockbit, more than other ransomware affiliates, has understood that.
0: So we've talked about nation-state actors, and that, to me, would provoke a government response. It's been suggested to me that elevating ransomware crimes to terrorist level and identifying the individual players and marking them for up to a million dollars rewards for their whereabouts has started to chill the environment a little bit.
1: I saw the you know the State Department awards that came out, yeah. um, the FBI's most wanted list. You know I've seen operators on there. I I think it's good to kind of expose a lot of the ecosystem because to your point, like you mentioned, a lot of folks just don't understand how big ransomware is. And how, how large, I and mean, it's, a, you know, what, $26 billion in the past couple of years. It's an amazingly large industry. Uh, and I don't think people quite grok that end of it. So I think putting folks on the most one rewards for it goes to kind of show the, the fiduciary amounts involved. If I'm offering a $10 million reward for this cat that runs, you know, Lockbit, how much has he gotten for you to be able to offer that up? Um, how much of it is lip service, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know if any of my friends are you know, going to strap on their keyboards and go over and start looking for operators. I just don't think that's going to happen. Um, but I think it's, it draws awareness to it, and other, that may not have previously been there. So it's nothing but good.
0: I'd really like to thank Mick Baccio for coming on the show and talking about his experience with ransomware platforms for all sorts of criminal activity. I have so many stories about hackers who are making a positive difference in the world. I don't want you to miss out. And be sure to check out Error Code, my new podcast that focuses on IoT and embedded security. Error Code is available now, wherever you get your podcasts. Let's keep this conversation going. DM me at Robert Vimosi on Twitter, or join me on Discord. You can find the deets at hackermine.com. For The Hacker Mine, I'm Robert Vimosi.